0: Our scripture passage today is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 24 through 31, and our sermon today is entitled, Call to Be the Church. This is the word of the Lord. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. May the Lord bless us all in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful time to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, to be with brothers and sisters, to be able to acknowledge our weaknesses, our sins to be able to acknowledge that most of us, if not all of us, are not wise by earthly standards. That most of us, or all of us, are not pure by by God's standards. But that the Lord himself still loves us. And we love one another because Jesus Christ is our standard. If you know him and he knows you and we can divert our eyes, all of us, to him at the cross and to him at the right hand of God. We are able to enjoy fellowship that this world just does not understand. We live in a world today set with protections in our hearts, not willing or desiring for others to, for, to see us as we really are. And oftentimes, even in the church itself, we have to fight all the time for that true fellowship that God will restore one day when he returns. But we fight for this because we know that it's the only thing we're fighting for. For all the things of this earth will pass away. The Lord calls us to himself or when he returns before any of us pass away our singular joy will be seeing Jesus our singular joy will be looking into one another's eyes and pointing to that morning star who is Christ himself worshiping rejoicing together and so it is the job of the church This is the desire of the church to fight tooth and nail against Satan, to fight tooth and nail against our own self-protections, to fight tooth and nail to allow Christ to be glorified in our weaknesses, in our sinfulness, in our brokenness. This is the church that God has called us to. It is the weak that he calls, not the strong. It is not those who have everything together who has that that resume that says, born in a Christian family, went to a Christian college, Served as youth group teachers, served at, at conferences for, for youth, uh, became a deacon, became an elder, that we take unto God and say, This is why you should love me. But the resume we bring to God is simply this sinner. And the list of the sins that God has revealed to us, is what we write down. We say, God, here is my resume. And then the Lord looks at that and says, wait a second, it's not long enough. And he starts to write down all the sins that you are not aware of. (laughs) And perhaps your countenance drops. Then in walks Christ himself, does he not? And he says, you are mine because I have died for this resume that you have and you enter into this kingdom because I have beseeched my father and I have told him, you are mine. This is who we are. God calls the weak, not the strong. God calls those who are humble, not those who are proud. And all of us realize that our bodies are fragile before the Lord. And that all that we do have is Christ. I am reminded of the the refugees in Clarkston that we we visit from time to time. I'm also reminded of uh, of my parents' generation who who came from Korea to to settle here. Many of you had parents who college educated. Very bright people and come to the States. But they can't do their engineering. They can't practice law. They can't do what they were trained to do because they're in a foreign land that speaks a foreign language. So they open up dry cleaners. They open up the small shops. The rural world reminds them That the degrees that they had from their motherland don't count for anything here. Or the story of this this one Iranian man who, or sorry, this one man from Iraq who who came to the States and said, listen, when I was in Iraq, I was a scientist. That was a big deal. But I had to flee my country. Here I am in the States. Those degrees mean nothing. Nothing here in the US I go to Gainesville raising chickens live in a one bedroom apartment with my six kids what I thought was my strength I realize means nothing in this world our kingdom is not here or anywhere else our kingdom is heaven If there's anything that we can learn from even these worldly descriptions, is that when when we are with God, we will be stripped naked before him. And we will see that it is our weakness, in our weakness, that he receives us. Not in our strengths, not in the things that we believe makes us who we are. Now, what is beautiful about this? This this is one of the most beautiful aspects of the church that no other religion, that no other man-made organization um, has. Everyone requires you to have some sort of skill Everyone requires some sort of of, of resource that you bring. Perhaps it's it's dues that you have to pay. Perhaps it's people that you may know. But to be called into God's church is to be called into, into something where you have nothing to offer. Indeed, it's not simply you have nothing to offer. That what you have to offer actually destroys God, destroys the church. And yet, God receives those people who can admit it. That by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we see the sinfulness in us, and we come not with anything to help the church to grow, but we come with everything that helps the church's demise. And if that is so, we understand that this church is not built upon us. The church is built upon Christ. And it's him that we look to. And it's him that we beseech to build this fellowship that is here today. Christ's covenant Presbyterian church is not built by me. It's not built by you. It's built by Jesus himself. Jesus is the author of this church. Jesus is the one who allows this church to grow and flourish. Jesus is the one who will one day, yes, will 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 say this church has had its run; it's time to close. But my kingdom will go on, and it's to Him that we look for salvation and for guidance in all things. What does this mean? when you came to know Jesus, God gave you gifts. You may not know what they are. In fact, most of you don't know what they are. And you come into this fellowship, and people might ask you, one, say to you, one day you will have to serve this church. And you raise your hand, and you go, listen, I don't, I don't have any skills to serve this church i don't know how to sing i don't know how to do computers i don't know how to set up things because i don't know for some reason i don't know how to do any of these things how can i become a member what can i do for this church maybe i can just stand around and and smile and you start thinking to yourself "I, i have i have nothing to offer but there's something remarkable about what God does for his church. You see, when God calls you, God will actually equip you. When God calls you, God will give the church what is necessary for this church to flourish. Our duty is not first to get trained and then to serve. It's to serve and get trained. We are called in simple obedience to follow him. And as we follow him, and he calls us, God equips. Let me give you an example from my own life. And another example from a conversation I had a couple months ago. Many of you know that um, i recently recently been announced as the, uh, the RAD coordinator Um, Reformed and Diverse Delegates for MTW, Mission to the World, our denominations um, uh, missions are. And I was recently given a shout-out at the the, uh, uh, General Assembly that teaching Elder Young Choi is going to be in charge of that in in front of 1,200 people. And for me, instead of being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm something now, I was like, oh, no, please. I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing because I don't want people to say, you. people to look at me when I mess up, right, because I will mess up. But people ask, well, how did you get that position? How did you get this position where people are going to have eyeballs on you? And I said to them very simply, I simply just love the people who are around me. I simply followed my heart in terms of where God was wanting me to have conversations about his kingdom. I simply met people and listened to their stories and shared my stories about being a Korean American in in this denomination, my hopes and my dreams and my concerns about this denomination. And I shared with them just some of the things that I was trying to do to, to love the people who are in our church and to, and to love our denomination as a whole. And then Barbara Jones, who's in charge of that, came to me and said, I want you to join RAD, Asian American chapter. I go, okay. So I joined. didn't think of it. She invited me to her office, and she said, well, you're the only one that I've chosen so far and so you're going to be the director. I go, what? (laughs) I go, what? But the only thing I could say was simply, I'll obey. I don't know what I have to do. I don't know where this will lead. But if the church calls, I will simply go. Our duty is not to be equipped and go. Our duty is to go and love. And God equips. I had this conversation with this this elder about uh, two months ago. And I was talking to him, I said, you know, one day our church, pretty soon, would like to be a particular church. We'd like to raise up elders. And I asked him, I said, What is it like to be a second-generation Asian-American elder at your church? You've been an elder for about about 10, 12 years now. You're about in your early or mid-40s. What's some advice that you can give to me? Or or what advice would you give to, to future people who might be called into the ministry this way? And he said to me these words. He said, you just obey. There's nothing you can really do to get ready. You just, you just obey. If God calls them to be elders, that means it's not up to you or that person to figure it out. But if God's the one who calls you, God will figure it out for you. That all you need to do is to walk in obedience. Because if we really believe that Jesus is the one who builds the church, then Jesus is the one who will call these people out, and Jesus is the one who will equip them, and Jesus is the one who will make this church to go. And that goes for all of us. Our duty before the Lord is not to sort of figure out what we're, what, what we're good at, equip ourselves, and then go into the church. Our goal, our, our responsibility is simply to love the church that God has given us And let the Lord equip us. If you enjoy counseling people, continue to counsel. God will equip you. If you enjoy evangelism and going out and telling people, but you're like, what what does that look like? God will equip you. If you enjoy organizing things and and you want want to help, just, just jump in. God will equip you. It is God who builds this church. We bring a resume of weakness. We bring a resume of selfishness. We bring a resume of sinfulness. And yet, in the midst of it, God builds this church. Secondly, Don't wait until you feel like you are morally perfect before you serve the church. (coughs) Sometimes we feel like when we are in positions of leadership or when God calls us into positions of leadership, we're fearful because once we're in that position, you're exposed. We know that people in the secular world, once they sort of reach positions of management or reach positions of, of sort of a, being, a, being on the board of a, of a big company, that you become more and more isolated because there's a fear that the more that people know you, the more they understand how you work, that more of your weaknesses will be exposed and your, your competitors will be gunning for those. There's many of us at the church, we, 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 we fear serving because once we, fear, once we start to serve, people will see our weaknesses. People will see our moral failures. And we take a step back and say, I, I don't want this. I don't want people to look at me and say, my goodness, what type of deacon are you? What type of elder are you? What type of pastor are you? What type of person are you? let me tell you people will look at those things but the duty of the church as a whole is for us to confess those things is it not all of us should be the first ones to admit raising our hands I will serve but let me show you all my weaknesses my sinful tendencies pray for me Love me. And then let us pray for one another and to love one another. I'm reminded of a story this, this pastor friend told me who, who, was, who was really wrestling because one of the uh, church members had, um, had, had wanted to call him out on the way he was treating um, his session. And he was treating them pretty, pretty badly in a sense. And, and he, he recognized that and they still came after him, some of these, these elders, and he, just, he confessed to them. But after he confessed, he felt something in his heart going, I, why, why am I going through this? And his immediate response was trying to, to protect his heart and trying to say, to, to, to justify sort of what he did and why he did it. Needless to say, that response was not a good response. The words of, I'm sorry, well, fell to deaf ears because it didn't sound contrite. And eventually that session and that pastor parted ways. But I'm reminded of another story where sort of the same thing happened. There were rumors flying around about, about this one pastor friend of mine. And he was defending himself. And and these weren't even sort of substantiated claims. But he addressed his congregation. And he said simply this. He said, listen, these rumors, they're not true. But even if they were, I'm a lot worse than what these rumors claim." about me my sins are actually a lot deeper than what people are saying about me my weaknesses are actually much weaker than what these people are declaring about me and he humbled himself before the congregation and said I'm a sinner like you simply serving my God as faithfully as I can. Will you allow me to walk with you and pastor you? For all of us, when we come to serve this church and to serve one another, our posture must be when we hear rumors about each other, when we hear people just, because our fallen condition is still a part of us, when we hear things about us that really nag our hearts. Our response shouldn't be to protect ourselves. Our response should be to justify ourselves. Our response should simply be, I'm actually much worse than what everyone is saying, but Jesus loves me and Jesus loves us. This is the church that we need. These are, these are the people that God has called. This is you. This is the church that must grow out of, out of this fellowship here. Lastly, if we do all these things according to how God wants this church to grow, will not not God himself be glorified? God is glorified not in our strengths, but God is glorified in our weaknesses. God is not glorified in whether you have an advanced degree. God is not glorified in whether or not you've made it in this world. God will be glorified in his church because it's through weakness. It's through this church and the preaching and the sharing of his word that he is most glorified and listened to whether you are a professional, whether you're simply a student, whether you're, you're still trying to make sense of this world, it's the humility that you come to the church with those giftings <coughs> that God himself will be most pleased. So I ask you, my brothers and sisters, Is this your church? Those of you who are members here, are you members by fear? Do you care too much about what people say or think about you? Or are you able to simply confess? I'm much worse than any of you guys think. But in Christ Jesus, I've been made whole. Jesus will build this church. I'm confident of that. I'm confident of that. May the Lord himself raise up brothers and sisters here in this church to lead us in this next generation to share the gospel with friends, family, neighbors, the stranger, the foreigner, and this world. Let's pray.